0: You know, I always check my mic, and so I just asked Patty, I said, is my light on? She said, your light's on, so no doubt, I turned it off on the way up. You can't help stupid. Um, (laughs) You didn't have to be the one that laughed the loudest, Patty. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes the Lord brings you together to keep you humble, and so if, uh, anyway, I am just so honored and glad to be here. Uh, Today, we're continuing our series called Unsure. I want to start off by telling you the story of three men. First of all, I want to introduce you to Charles Templeton, and then Clifford Braun, and finally, Billy Graham. Now, the year was 1945, and these three young men in their 20s burst on the ministry scene, and really with this uh, talent to change the world now, if you look at these three pictures, you probably do not know Charles Templeton or Clifford Braun, but you have heard of Billy Graham. Now, why is that? Because back in 1945, all three of these men were equally talented and equally anointed. Charles Templeton was considered to be uh, the, the best preacher in America, In fact, he and Billy Graham became friends, and they worked with um, the Youth for Christ organization. There was a publicist that wrote these words about Charles Templeton. He said, he is the Babe Ruth of evangelism. And so, he was playing at the top of his game in his mid-20s. During the same time, Bron Clifford came to prominence. And in the book Lead On, uh, John Hagee said that he was the man of... Greatest influence. He's the best, the most sought-after preacher of his day. He had the greatest influence on leaders, and he set uh, the attendance records of wherever he would speak. He would set those attendance records. In fact, he had uh, more influence at his age than any other uh, clergyman in American history. It seemed like he had everything. Now, all of three of these men started out strong. But in 1950, Templeton, uh, he left the ministry. He went for a, a, min- uh, for a work in broadcasting. And eventually, uh, while he was a broadcaster and in, t- in the TV industry, he became an atheist and left, left the faith. Then we see Clifford. His story is all the more tragic. He was traveling around everywhere, but he became an alcoholic. And as a result of that, he lost his wife and then his two kids, one which had Down syndrome. By the time he was 35 years old, um, he was a car salesman in the Texas Panhandle. And when he was 35 years old, nine years after being the most sought-after a preacher in America. He died of cirrhosis of the liver in a sleazy hotel outside Amarillo, Texas. So in 1945, each one of these men had great success in their work, but only one of them is remembered, and that's Billy Graham. So so what's the difference here? I believe the difference is this, that Billy Graham started off with this uh, with a made-up mind and with the intention to finish the race and to finish the race strong. So here's my point. In life, it's not how you start that matters, but it's how you finish. In life, it's not how you start, but it is how you finish. Today, we're continuing our, series, our Unsure series, and we're going to talk about how to navigate your faith In a world filled with doubt. I think all of us at times will go through seasons where we are unsure about what's going on. Something happens to us and we can't figure it out. Why? Why is this happening? Maybe this door that we thought would be open is now closed. Maybe this opportunity that we thought was a shoe-in is now evaporated and that we go through seasons of challenge and seasons of doubt where we're just not sure what's going to happen um, in the days ahead. Over the next few minutes, I want to introduce you to a, a man from the Bible. His name was Paul. He was one of the greatest leaders that ever walked the face of the earth. In fact, Paul started churches all over the Middle East, and he wrote 13 books in the New Testament. He was a great leader, but he went through storms at times, and some physical and sometimes spiritual and sometimes emotional storms. I want to talk to you about a physical storm that he was going through in Acts chapter uh, 27. But what we see in him, he also had this made-up mind, this intention. In fact, he wrote to a young pastor named Timothy these words. He said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. I fought a good fight. I have finished the race. Now, some of you were probably involved in the Augusta half marathon yesterday, and so uh, I know that there's a lot of creakers there. Uh, I woke up yesterday about uh, six or six thirty, and I'm thinking, like, man, it is 27 degrees. I'm saying, Lord, touch those runners. As I grabbed the quilt and rolled over, <laughs> not me. I did make it down to Augusta Commons around 9:30, uh, 9:45 to see them in the race. And, and it's really uh, special because you see all those people that made it through the half marathon, uh, what joy they had and the sense of accomplishment. I think Kelly was one of those. And, and Kelly finished the race yesterday. She not only can lead the Dream Center, but she can take any of you on on a foot race, and she can endure to the end, right? Something like that. But it is something about when you have that, this, uh, that desire to finish the race, but you don't finish a half marathon unless you have great intention of doing so, unless you're determined, you're going to keep, um, keep pushing through even in the difficult times. Well, that's what we see in Paul's life. And so we turn to the book of Acts chapter 27, and this is a season of Paul's life where he was arrested for preaching the gospel. And he had appealed to Caesar, so uh, they're sending him to Italy to stand trial for preaching the gospel uh, before um, Caesar. And, and in those days, they didn't have the benefit of Doppler radar to see if there's a storm brewing. He had to uh, go on, a, uh, enter a ship, get ready, and set sail for Italy. And so they didn't have the benefits of Doppler radar. They didn't realize a, a storm was coming. But God started to speak, and God spoke to the Apostle Paul while they were uh, in the town of Laodicea. And God warned Paul that there's a storm coming and that you need to go to the captain of the ship and you can explain to them there's a storm coming and you don't, do not need to leave this harbor. Now, he did that, but the, the captain uh, didn't receive that, especially from this prisoner. And the captain had a different vision. The captain understood that, yes, yeah, they were moving into the stormy season, but he wanted to go to another harbor uh, and waited out there, he was impatient. he was had his mind made up so many times we often get into trouble when we get impatient. We often get into trouble uh, when when we get impatient there 's something about taking a deep breath there 's something about taking a pause and just taking a look at the landscape. Some of you are like me, that you want it done and you wanted it done yesterday. And you can't figure out why it's not done. And I am telling you, you are so frustrated. I get it, I understand that. But I'm just saying to you today, take a deep breath and let's be patient here. Could it be that God is working on the other side to uh, bring you to the place where you need to be. Well, we go back to Acts chapter 27, and we pick up the story. And it says, uh, Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island. Now, the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it, and we were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island and caught We were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes underneath the ship to hold it together. The wind was beating against this ship. They put ropes underneath it. They were holding on trying to keep the ship together because they were afraid that they would run aground aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. So they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. He said, we took such a violent beating from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. Notice this. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, the storm continued raging, and we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Another part of the the scripture says that they were there for 14 days. For 14 days, they didn't see the sun or they didn't see the stars. This storm was raging, and they had finally given up all hope of being saved. Have you ever been through a storm like that? That the storm uh, continued to rage. And it may be a physical storm where you see the rain coming in. Several years ago, Patty and I uh, decided uh, we went uh, on a weekend trip to the Charleston area to celebrate her birthday. Now, before we left Augusta on Thursday, we heard that there was a storm coming. But, you know, oh, it's not going to be that big of a deal. You know, we discounted the storm. And so we got up Friday, and uh, it started to pour rain. But it didn't matter. We were at the outlet mall. And a little rain's not going to stop my wife from getting a bargain. She's going to press through the storm, and we did, and we pressed through, and it continued to rain like uh, continued forceful rain. We went to bed that night, and as the night wore on, we could hear the rain not only hitting the roof of uh, the house, but it was like the wind was causing this rain to hit against the side, to the windows of the house. And we woke up at six o'clock in the morning, and we were fearful. Because it was continued to come. And so we loaded up at 6 a.m. and we hit the road. And the roads were, streets were already starting to flood. We got back home, glad to be at home. I watched the news and they had 24 inches of rain that weekend. They call that now, it's been several years ago, they call that uh, the thousand year flood. Nikki Haley uh, termed it the thousand year flood. So we haven't, we've never been in a hurricane but that was just a strong storm that that caused us to be fearful. Maybe some of you have been in those kind of storms. That You've been where maybe the rain would come and pour down or maybe you've been in a hurricane or maybe you've been in a tornado. You know the fear that it strikes when you're in that kind of storm. Now the interesting thing here is the Apostle Paul was in the storm. But what else do we know? He was also in the center of God's will for his life. Paul was in the center of God's will, yet he was in the middle of the storm. Oftentimes in life, we go through storms. And if you're like me, you often say, God, what are you doing here? And and why why is this happening to me? And uh, why do I have to go through this? We start to question God. Having faith does not exempt you from having difficulty. But there will be times in your life where you will be standing in the center of God's will. You will be standing in faith but yet you will be in the most difficult circumstances that you have seen uh, yet to date. And it's normal for us to be unsure. And let me just remind you, to those of you that are facing those challenges today, those of you that are going through that storm, and it's not a Uh, an actual storm, but maybe it's an emotional storm. Maybe it's a spiritual storm. Maybe it's a financial storm. Maybe it's a storm in your career. Let me remind you that God is with you. God is with you in the middle of it all. And so many times we forget that. We forget, we feel like that we are all alone and that nobody understands. Let me say this, God understands exactly where you are and God understands exactly what you're going through. And when you are unsure, hear me, God is not. When you're unsure of the future, God is not. God knows the uh, beginning to the end and the end back to the beginning. God understands it all, and he understands that we face storms and we face difficulties. And I want you to step back and see this through the life of the Apostle Paul. We'll see that how God directs the winds of the storm to move you to the very place that he wants you to be. So many times in my life, the first thing when a storm comes... I want to find out why. I want to find out who did this to me. And I want to find out what's behind this. And maybe it's the devil behind this. And I'll go through my list. And, and oftentimes, that's right. It's an attack of the enemy or attack of somebody that is trying to harm uh, me or a business or the church or something like this. But in this situation in Paul's life, he's in the middle of God's will. And yet, the storm is there. And what we see is God is using the winds to direct Paul to the very place that God wants him to go. So could this storm that you're facing, could God use the winds that are blowing against your business? Could God use the winds that are blowing against your household? Could he use this to blow in new opportunities in your life? Could this storm produce something positive? Could this storm be the very thing that takes you to the place that God wants you to be? You see, I want you to be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul when he says, I am certain that God who began a new work Uh, A good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day of Christ Jesus returns. God is going to finish what he has started. And God is in control of your life. And God is in control of this situation. And I know it may not feel like that. But I want you to put your trust in him. Nothing is going to happen in your life that God cannot handle. God has the power to use the storm to move you uh, to where he wants you to be, to the exact place. You know, I look back over to my life and there are many storms that we've had, but there are some that we'll never forget. I'll never forget in uh, November 1987, November 4th. You know how certain days are just etched in your memory? November 4th, 1987. I was called, I was a cocky young youth pastor at a church in town. I was a cocky, young, know-it-all youth pastor, okay? Cocky, young, know-it-all, passionate about the Lord, passionate about reaching people, young youth pastor in town. And the church that I was serving at was going through a difficult time. They were in the middle of a financial crisis. Do you know that when you're under pressure financially in your home or in your business or in your church, when you have financial pressures, so often it leads people to make bad decisions and it creates opportunity for drama. And there is a whole lot of drama in this congregation, a lot of drama. And so they called me in Wednesday, November the 4th. I just remembered I walked in. I was meeting with a board, had no clue what was about to happen. And what I found out is I, I walked in that meeting, sat down with them, and I got fired. They went Donald Trump on me. They looked at me and said, <laughs> You're fired. You know, at that moment, you know, I'm shocked. How could this happen? I didn't do anything wrong. You know, sometimes difficulty comes not because you're doing something wrong, because you're doing something right. And so we went through this, and maybe you've been there before. You've been at a place where you thought that you would be at this company or in this position until your retirement days. And for whatever uh, reason, the market changed, situations changed, maybe personnel changed, and the people that hired you, um, are now are, they've moved on, and the, the new folks uh, have changed the direction. There's a lot of different reasons that, that change happens. I didn't realize it at the time, but God was using this storm, and God was using this wind in my life to redirect me to another place. Now the news got out. I mean, I called the bishop the next day and said, "Look, you know, I'm, I've been fired," and and uh, he got involved in the situation. And he's a peacemaker. And one thing that he did after talking through the situation, he said, "Marty, uh, we need to have peace here, and uh, I'm going to move you to a church in Annapolis, Maryland." And um, he said, it is a self-sustaining church. Now, that's a church talk. We're saying that I think they'll pay you a salary at the end of the week because not every church pays a salary, okay? And so, uh, Patty and I, we didn't feel the call of God to go there. Uh, We didn't, never been to Annapolis, Maryland uh, or anything else, uh, but we thought, okay, maybe, just maybe this is it. And so we loaded the car, and we were living in Montclair at the time, and we got on I-20, we crossed the Savannah River, and right as we moved into uh, South Carolina, the great state of South Carolina, as we moved into there, there was a truck right in front of us, and there was a metal box on that truck about like that. And that, for whatever reason, it fell off, into our lane, and we tried to stop, but it was too quick, and we ran and hit that metal box, and it destroyed our radiator. We had to pull over to the welcome center where we uh, called uh, somebody to take it to the shop. And so, therefore, we could not go to, a, uh, to Maryland to look at this. It was like this storm, and the winds, was, uh, the winds were blowing But God, in the middle of the storm, caused this metal box, I believe, to fall off of this truck and allowed us to hit it for us to stop and say, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Could it be that some of you are in the middle of the storm and there are no activity, you feel like you're dead in the water, Could it be that God is stopping you at this moment just for you to take a breath and ask yourself the question, what am I doing here? What's really going on here? And I'll tell you, Patty and I, we started to fast and we started to pray. And God was saying, you need to be patient here because I am walking behind, I'm working behind the scenes here. And I have stopped you, and uh, a couple of things happened uh, in that scenario within the next two weeks uh, where the bishop called me up and said, Look, I really feel like, and he used these words, you are God's man for Augusta. And I want you to start a church, and that church is Stevens Creek Church, 32 years later. Amen. Yeah, I would like to say that, yeah, I was praying and an angel came down and I found this glow, but it was really a metal box in the truck. <laughs> because so many times we look for the super spiritual, but when God works in the ordinary. God works in the ordinary things of your life. And what you are calling ordinary, God is, could be extraordinary because God is working behind the scenes to open doors for you to close doors for you. And though some of you may be unsure and you're unsettled, could it be that the winds that are blowing in your life are really uh, orchestrated by the Lord to get you to the place where God wants you to be? Next verse. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so they gave way to it and they were driven along the way. They just allowed the winds to drive them. And now, here's what I'm going to say, and this is probably unusual for you to hear this, and even for me to say this, but could this be a time where you need to allow the storm to take you where God wants you to be? That goes against everything natural inside of me, to say that. Because I'm telling you, when I'm in a storm, I am fighting that storm. I am fighting that. I am pushing that back. I wonder how many times that I fought against the storm only to find out that the storm was God-ordained because God wanted me to see that he is stronger than the storm. He wanted me to see that he is stronger than the winds. He wanted me to see that he is stronger than the diagnosis, that he is stronger than the financial problem, that he is stronger than the marriage problem. He wanted me to see that he has power to speak. And when he speaks, that the winds and the rain can stop. He wanted me to see that he can speak and the heavens would open. And so many times I am fighting against the storm when maybe I need to let the storm play its course and let God do what he is doing. You see, that storm that I went through in 1987, I've, I've seen other storms a lot uh, like that, maybe not as so difficult because that was a point we were young married, we had a, a a young baby, not even a year old, and we we're just trying to find our way in this whole new career path. But God was working behind the scenes. And I had to come to the place that God was not there to destroy me. That God was there to increase me. And that's the next one. When you face winds that are meant to destroy you, God can shift them so that they would increase you. You think the wind is there to destroy you, but God is there to increase you. So what am I saying? Quit crying over this. Quit mourning over what you've lost. I want you to let it go. I want you to focus not on those things that you have lost, but what you have left. And so many times we, we get so negative and we get so depressed. And we say, look at everything that I've lost. Yes, you have. And I want you to embrace what you've lost. And I want you to grieve your losses. But I want you to understand that there's a a new day on the other side of that night of weeping. I want you to come to the place where you don't spend so much time complaining about the storms and discouraged about the storms. But you start to see God moving through that to take you to the place you're supposed to be. Next verse fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, notice that they dropped four anchors. They dropped four anchors from the stern, and they prayed for daylight. Have you ever been through a dark night where all you can find yourself is just praying for daylight? That it is so dark and gloomy, and the storm is so strong, and you say, God, help me just to get through this. And, and I can imagine that's how Paul and, and his friends were, oh, God, let, this, let us make it till the sun comes up. God, we pray for daylight. And they drop these four anchors. When I think about those four anchors, I wonder if there's some meaning behind that. Today, I'm asking you to drop four anchors in the middle of your storm. And I believe if you'll do these four things that you'll be able to stay steady in the midst of it all. Four things I want you to do as we close. First of all, I want you to put your faith, put your faith in God. That's the first anchor, your faith. Say, God, I trust you. God, I believe that you're gonna take care of me. I believe that, that you're gonna give me the strength to endure this. So I stand, I stand in faith. I stand believing. Could it be that this storm you're in is just a test? It's a test to see who do you trust. Put your faith in God. I think secondly, I want you to commit the problem to prayer. Commit this problem to prayer. Have you prayed about it, seriously? Have you asked the Lord about it? So many times we like to talk about our problems. We like to call somebody up and tell them all of our issues. We like to post everything on online and let the world see our problems. But we never take time to say, God, can you help me with this? Can you help me today? I believe if you'll come to the place where you'll incorporate prayer as a daily discipline, as a, as a continual activity in your life, a continual conversation, that that very prayer will become an anchor for your soul. It'll give you strength. Third thing, I want you to build positive and Christ-centered relationships. I want you to build positive and Christ-centered relationship, I want you to get in a, a small group, somebody that uh, get in with a group of people that are, will lift you up instead of tear you down. You've got to be intentional about that. If you're not careful, I believe you'll drift to the place of least resistance, and you'll just drift and go along with the, the, the waves of the culture and just go negative. God has not called you to be negative, and you need people that will uh, sharpen you and encourage you to be that person that you're intended to be, to lift you up. So make it a point to be around positive people. Now, granted, I understand that some of you are in a place where uh, you make your living with a group of negative people, And so that's where you have to be even more intentional to feed your spirit and to to have people around you that will lift you up and protect you through it all. And that becomes an anchor. It becomes an anchor that when you go through the difficult seasons of life, that those people will stand with you. That the people in your small group will stand with you when other people walk out. And so it is so important, if we're gonna be steady in a storm, that we have people with us. It's interesting, in Acts chapter 27, you'll read that, uh, that story that I, wrote, uh, that I read, and several times you'll see the word we. Have you ever wondered, who's we? Well, we is the person who's writing this book. Do you know that Paul didn't write the book of Acts? No, a man named Luke wrote the book of Acts. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote the Acts of the Apostles. So when Luke is saying we, he is saying, Paul, I am with you in this storm. I am standing with you. Paul understood the power of partnership. And we all need people who are willing to work with us and to be with us. We need partners in the process. Here's the fourth and final one. I want you to hold on to hope for the future. I want you to hold on to hope for the future. I believe that the best days of your life are ahead of you. I sincerely believe that. And that's why week after week, I stand on this stage and I I try to inspire you with hope. I try to get you to look forward to a better day. I try to get you to see that God has not forgotten you, that he is working in your life. He is turning those negative situations around, and he is there to bring something good out of that. And I want you to put your hope in the Lord. I love the words of the psalmist. He says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in the Lord. And I would say that to you. Why are you so down? Why are you so discouraged? You have a strength, and you have a power, and that is in Jesus, and we can put our hope in him. Well, those, amen. So those are the four anchors. I want you to put faith in God, power in prayer, positive people, and hope for tomorrow. And if you have those four anchors, you can weather the storms, that you can stay steady in the storm because the storm's coming. But you're gonna get through it. You're gonna get through it. You are going to get through it. Hear me, look into my eyes. Look into my eyes right now. Know this, you are not alone, but the very presence of the Lord is here and God is here to remind you God is here to speak life to you. God is here to give you solutions to problems. God is here to give you uh, comfort to the pain. God is here to mend the brokenhearted. God is here to reestablish peace in your home. It's a storm but you can get through this. And we're going to do what we said. We're going to pray, and we're going to call on the name of the Lord, and he's going to come and speak into your life even now. Are you ready? You ready to pray? So what do you need from God? Back there, what do you need? You walked in this auditorium today, and you walked in with this thought. What is that need that you have? We're going to pray in just a few minutes. What is that? And the risers, what is that need that you have that you walked in this room and you thought, God, I just need encouragement. God, what is that thing that you need to be encouraged over? What is that? You walked in here today? And let me say, God saw you walk in And I am believing in the name of Jesus Christ that you will not leave here as you came because we're going to stand here and we're going to pray in the name of Jesus and we're going to receive what he has for us and we're going to uh, embrace it and we're going to walk out of here with the confidence and the hope that God is going to go before us. This is going to be a different week because we are starting it off in a hope knowing that God's going to finish that. Now, I'm about to preach sermon number two, so I need to stop. There's another service coming. Amen. Amen. So let's receive. And some of you may have never made a decision to follow Christ. This is your day. God brought you here for this particular uh, prayer. This prayer right there is so important. It's the most important prayer you'll ever pray, and it's simply saying, Jesus, save me. So I'm going to lead you in that also. So are you ready? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this congregation. I pray over those watching online. I pray, Father, for those that are in the middle of the storm. They feel like the Apostle Paul where they had to put those ropes under the boat just to hold it together. They feel like that they're holding on. I pray right now, Lord, for those that are feeling that way. I pray over them. I pray in the name of Jesus that, God, your strength would be released in their life. I pray that the weak would be made strong. I pray that the lame would be able to walk. I pray that the the sick would be able to say, I am healed. I pray, God, that you would move upon those that are lonely and that you would place them in relationships where they can now say, I am whole and I am healed. I pray over this church, God, that you would move in this place and that it would be evident that the anointing of the Lord sweeps over this place, that people sense your presence like never before. Father, we speak to the storm and we say, God, have your way. Bring healing, bring help, bring deliverance. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Now I pray for those that have never been saved. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, help me. Just say that. Say, Jesus, help me. I need help. Say this. Say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person you want me to be. Fulfill me with your presence. And I receive that. Let's just say that. God, fill me with your presence. We receive that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you today. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.